Today's episode of Found Down is brought to you by Unwound Retreats. Unwound Retreats offers fun events and travel experiences for nurses locally and internationally. Founded by me, Nicole Johnson, ICU nurse and host of the Found Down podcast, I provide opportunities for nurses to practice self-care, learn, and travel together. These last two years have been brutal in healthcare, and why not give yourself the gift to unwind, learn, and grow? Previous guests have loved the experiences, especially because you can just show up and know that everything will be taken care of. Unwound Retreats is offering exciting and luxurious retreats in Morocco and Mexico. Go over to unwoundretreats.com and sign up to get on the email list so you can find out more. Welcome to the Found Down Podcast. This is a podcast of untold nursing stories that are sometimes hilarious, dark, insane, and anything in between. As a warning, this show is rated E and is mature in content. It often deals with the reality of life and death and how we as nurses intersect with that on a regular basis. If we laugh, it's not out of disrespect. We love what we do and have every intention of continuing to do so. With that, enjoy the show. Well, hello and welcome to the Found Down Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Johnson, and today I'm so excited. I'm sitting here talking to Nicole Doan, a seasoned trauma nurse who had a near-death experience that changed her life and set her on a path to help people in healthcare find resiliency. We're going to talk about her accident, the documentary film she's making about it called Be Like Water, and the work, the, the very important work that she's doing. So, Nicole, how are you doing today? I'm doing okay. I, um, I would say that, you know, with the resurgence of COVID, all of us are feeling a little bit anxious and having a hard time connecting with our centers, feeling um, a little bit like we're spinning and getting very caught in our mind and our brain. And I think, um, that has been my main focus in this whole experience is to practice. It's been such a teacher to me to practice, to watch how when I get in my mind, I'm not connected to my center. And when I'm in my center, I'm so much more effective but yet there's this yin and yang of like pulling sensation where your brain thinks it needs to control. Um, just practicing letting go of that control so that you can be in a centered space and actually work more effectively than what you can do with just your brain. That's, that's I think, been the gift for me through this experience of COVID. Mm. How, so you must have had developed a practice do you because not everybody has the ability to or the awareness or the tools to think about being in the moment and grounding and um do you did you develop we're going to get into what happened to you but did you develop a did you have a mindfulness practice or a centering practice before this experience and also pre-COVID? Yeah, I think, you know, um, I started doing yoga probably 15 years ago. And in the beginning, it was all about physical fitness. 
and making pretty shapes with my body and challenging myself to, you know, become stronger and more limber in my body. And the key phrase was in my body. That part I didn't realize when I started yoga, just the act of being in my body and out of my mind connected me to something uh, way more intelligent than what my mind could do on its own, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, at first, I could only find that space while I was on my mat, physically practicing yoga. And then over time, I started experimenting with using those same techniques of being grounded in my body in the healthcare setting. So while I was standing at the bedside, getting ready to present for rounds, maybe I would just on one foot to remind myself that I was in my body. And then I could be more effective and get outside of just that, you know, limited space of your brain and use the whole being um, to draw attention to what really mattered in that room in that moment with the patient and their family and not just the physicality of it, but be more holistic in what nurses bring to the table. Mm. There's a, I, I keep thinking about this. I don't know who said it. Somebody did, but you know, this idea that we are not our thoughts, you know, we're like our brains just secreting all this stuff. And, and especially like you said, you know, in this time of resurgence of COVID, you know, there's a lot of anxiety and like, you know, this idea that we can kind of, come back to our bodies to um be grounded um it's just really meaningful yeah it's the best gift I think you can give to yourself um is just to notice just you know with go from a place of curiosity not a place of judgment watch watch what's going through your mind and notice that the thoughts that you're having are always pointing you towards the future their future thinking or their you know, projected from the past experiences that you've had. And it's not actually true. It's all an illusion that your brain has created based on, you know, logical information that it's obtained through life, but you can't, you know, project yourself into the, in the future with this limited space. But if you can center yourself and just be in that moment, then the whole picture of reality comes in, right? I mean, you don't just have the fear from the past and the fear of the future. You have this grounded center. And in this moment, nothing bad is actually happening. It's um, not that COVID isn't bad. I'm not saying that. I'm saying in this moment, I can be with this. Mm. In this moment, I'm here by my patient who may be dying, but in this moment, I can connect with them and not have fear about whether or not I'm doing it right, whether or not this person is going to die. Because in this moment, what really matters is that I am here with you fully. And that's that's the power of nursing. It is so, it is so powerful. Um, I love that you mentioned, are we doing it right? We're always, you know, a lot of us are perfectionists and we're always thinking about like, are we doing enough? Are we, are we 
are we doing it right? Are we being, we, have we thought about all the things where if something traumatic happens, we think, what did I do wrong? Or I should have done it differently. Um, but this act of being with is, I mean, it's so, you, I can't speak to it from a patient's perspective, but, um, and you were a patient, but this act of just being there and being with and being present with our patients, I mean, that's, he, that's healing. That's truly healing. I would say that during my experience as a patient, I am so grateful for so many of the people, right? I mean, I wouldn't be walking today if it wasn't for the amazing neurosurgeons that put my spine back together. And I wouldn't be, you know, physically able to go back to work without all of the people who rescued me. But the people who have the art of being with you and being present and holding a space for you to feel whatever it is that you're feeling in that moment, the people who are strong enough to just be there, not try to fix it, but just be with you and see you hold a space for healing that is way more, has way more potential for healing than just the physical form, right? I mean, we are way more than just our physical bodies. And there are so many studies about how if people aren't behind, you know, if they're depressed or, you know, don't feel like they're ever going to surmount this physical illness that they're having, that they probably won't, right? So nurses who can just be with you and give you that space to find yourself again, to find your center, um, they can work miracles that can't be physically seen but are felt in the core of the patient mm. in a way that causes this just kind of flowering to happen. It's like you're kind of a seed of the patient and you're so um, in need of nurturing. You're so in need of somebody to water you, to make sure that you get sunlight and all of these things <laughs> you don't have a lot of the ability to do that for yourself. All you can do is be the seed and until somebody gives you what you need to grow, um, which is just presence. Mm. Someone to care and see you and not try to fix it. Then um, it's really hard to do that for yourself. You need, you need a nurse that can just be with you. <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing, only laughing because I'm crying. <laughs> times we get caught up in this like oh I didn't titrate that drip right or I didn't like check that blood pressure wasn't right or you know whatever none of that I mean it does matter of course but the power that you have in just being that is just extraordinarily important and I don't want anyone to ever walk away from the bedside feeling like they didn't have the skill set they didn't have the tools to help their patients because you have no idea the impact that you have by just being there. Oh, um, this is why we do the work. This is why nurses do this work, right? Like we, you know, we, we obviously, oh my God, <laughs> I'm sorry, Nicole. I'm just so touched by what you said. 
well, it's a hard time right now. And we're all in our heads thinking we're not doing enough. We're not doing enough. It's just a constant loop. And it's the mind that's, you know, feeding you an illusion. <laughs> it's not what to bring life to because I have been the patient and I know how important it is with the work that you're doing. Oh. And, you know, there are worse things than death. There are so many worse things than death. And we know that as healthcare providers, but yeah. what you know is if I am dying, I want a nurse who is going to be present with me. I don't want a nurse who, I don't care about whether or not they titrated that medication right or whether or not they took my blood sugar on time. If I am actively dying, I want somebody with me. And yeah. that's the power of nursing. Yeah. You know? Oh, God. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Well, thank um, you for what you do. Well, and, and you. <laughs> um, I, you know, um, I want to get into your story, what happened and, and what, how you did find yourself as a patient being on the other side, this unlikely event that happened. What, ha what happened, Nicole, in 27, was it 2017? Yeah, it was 2017. It was the day of the total eclipse. I don't know if anybody remembers that day, but like everybody does. Been to be in the right spot <laughs> saying and everybody was buying their their glasses so that they could you know see the eclipse and um that was my plan I was going to drive to Oregon and then a friend of mine said you know um we're going to go do this canyon instead and while everybody else is you know like ants in a row on the interstate trying to get to Oregon we're going to be in this beautiful canyon and we're going to be repelling and it's going to be magical so I said well yeah, I'll do that instead. Why not? You know, so um, it was two ICU nurses, um, one person who had never been canyoneering before, but was really a strong athlete. And then another kind of, I don't know, I call him a rock star outdoor enthusiast, <laughs> kind of he's the guy with all the gadgets. He's got the van that's full of all the equipment, you know, <laughs> and he's for safety, right? So we all go um, and we dropped into the canyon about I don't know, 20 minutes after we watched the eclipse and it was a sunny, beautiful summer, August day, right? Um, and we did probably eight repels before we got to the one where I had trouble. And um, this repel was kind of the one that we all just wanted to get past because mm. um, my friend, who I was climbing with that day had just done this canyon a couple of weeks before with her son. And she said that, you know, at the end of the rappel, they noticed that there was, their rope was almost cut in half. There was a jagged spot on the top that was, you know, as the rope was going back and forth as they were rappelling was kind of cutting the rope. And so we were very focused on, you know, let's figure out a way to minimize our risk here. We're going to tape the rock face so that our rope isn't you know, gonna get cut. And everybody was very centered in that moment and like very focused on safety. And um, a couple of people went down before me and they didn't have any problems with the rappel. So, um, you know, we, we kind of went back into that. Okay, we're back into having fun. 
the day and I went ahead and the first part of the rappel is kind of like a flat slant and you're kind of walking down the rock face mm-hmm. and then to a spot where you drop over to a free hanging area and you're um hanging with without your feet on the rock or anything mm-hmm. and I you know I had done eight rappels that day I was back in happy fun mode and I think I just was while I was going a little too fast and didn't realize I was going to drop over to a free hanging area. And so when I did, I didn't have my hands in the right position. Um, there's this thing in rappelling called your break hand mm-hmm. and it does exactly what it sounds like it's supposed to do, except it doesn't work if it's not in the right position. So um, I ended up with my break hand above my head and it's supposed to be down by your hip. So for me to correct that, I would have to pull the entire weight of my body with one arm from my head down to my hip. And I wasn't physically strong enough. Oh my to God. That. So as soon as I dropped over that ledge, I knew that I had made a horrible mistake. Oh my um, God. Both of my hands are above my head and I look down and I see that I'm about a hundred feet off the ground. And you know, with my experience as a nurse, I thought I've, I've never, ever, ever taken care of someone in the emergency room who had lived through a 100 foot fall. This is it. You know, this is it. Now, I just want to say, so and you, you obviously work, you've worked in trauma, you've worked in like you, and you've seen patients, you know, from fall, all kinds of falls, right? I've seen people die from a three foot fall off a ladder, you know? I've <laughs> extraordinary sometimes what some people live through for sure. You're like, yeah. no way that guy lived. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and other things you're like, oh my gosh, you know? So, but there I am hanging. And of course, you know, we're in healthcare. Like my daughter didn't learn to ride a bike until she was 10 because of, <laughs> <laughs> of the world. Right. And so I'm like, oh, yeah, this is it. That, um, and everything just tightened up. It was like my whole body was was on fire and just an extraordinary amount of endorphins, just pure fear surging through. I'm gripping on. I'm just like holding on for dear life. I cannot think. I cannot function. I am so caught in the fear of the moment that I just I can't even breathe. You know, I'm just like, Oh, about to hyperventilate. And then I just got to take a deep breath because I can't physically keep this up anymore. And as soon as I took that breath, it was like all of my years of yoga had prepared me for this moment, you know, that I was able to activate the parasympathetic nervous system through that breath my heart rate could slow, my brain could start to function again. I could be in my body. I could feel my body again. Um, and that's when it shifted for me. I, I just was like, okay, you know, I'm going to, this is it. I am hanging here. That's the reality of things. And this is possibly my last moment of life. And I don't want to be out of control. What? And I, I was like, if this is my last moment that I have to live on this planet, I want it to be mine. Mm. And I, I want it to be mine. I want to do with it what I want to do with it. 
you know, and so then I'm, you know, I'm still hanging. This is probably like 20 seconds into my fall, right? I'm hanging <laughs> and I'm watching the skin kind of slip off of my hands as I'm slipping down the rope. And I think to myself, you know, what do I want to be doing in my last moment? Like, we never think about that, you know, oh my God. we're just living life moment to moment, getting done with tasks. And we never think about what would I want to be doing if I was dying right now, you know, and, and it just right into my core, you're a mom, <laughs> you're a mom and you're leaving your daughter. This, the last thing any mom wants to be doing in their last moment is telling their child that they love them. You know, yeah. that's all that matters. But of course she wasn't there. So, um, but you know, I have this kind of new agey <laughs> way about me where I feel I'm like, okay, if she's not here, then I'm just going to shoot energy towards her. I'm like, like, that's the only thing I have left. Right. Yeah. I'm, I somehow she's going to feel me thousands of miles away. She's going to feel me in this last moment. So I just concentrated on how much love I had for her. And that just swelled to the point where, bam, it was just like bursting out of me. And all of a sudden I could see the waterfall that I was climbing next to. And I could see the rainbows reflecting off the water. And yes, in that moment, there was extreme pain for what I would be losing if I left the planet right then. But also there was just like an intense sense of what being a human is all about. You know, like what really matters in this world is the love that we have for others and how much we're able to share it, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, I was just kind of looking around at the beauty of that moment and the beauty of the feeling that was in me. And I noticed a ledge that I couldn't see before when I was spinning, spinning, spinning out of control in that fear state. And this ledge happened to be, you know, about 40 feet higher than the original 100 foot fall would be. And I thought if I can, that's my Hail Mary, you know, if I can swing myself out over that ledge and hit it, I may, may live through this. So that's what I did. I kind of swung myself in one direction and so that I could fling myself out over that ledge. And then I had to just trust enough to let go. And I oh my God. let go. And then I'm free falling. And it seemed like, I don't know, a couple of minutes before I, I was, I even remember thinking to myself, I'm still falling. Oh my oh. God. Oh my God. <laughs> and I had enough time to think, okay, like be like water. Like that's where the name of the, the movie came from. We all take care of these, you know, highly intoxicated patients who get in car wrecks and because they're so floppy, you know, they don't <laughs> hurt themselves as much somehow. Like they, they're like water in that moment. So I thought, I'm going to just, okay, be like water, land on your feet, but just kind of fall into it. Don't, don't tense up, you know, um, mm -hmm. so I did somehow I landed on my feet and I rolled down my spine and I, I didn't hit my head, which was a miracle. And I didn't lose consciousness. That's and wild. It was, it was extraordinary. It was 
the biggest gift I've ever had in this life to touch death and take control in that moment, know that I can, and to have lived through it is just the icing on the cake, you know? Yeah, yeah. Most of us do not have that experience. Um, And we talk, I mean, that's a, it's a gift. Um, And clearly it's changed you. Um, Oh my God. What? So what happened? So you land, you're, you're awake. And then as a nurse, are you like, I was like, assessing like, I'm still alive, you know? (laughs) And then I'm like, okay, you know, head to toe assessment. I had to toe assessment. Can I move my fingers? I can move my fingers. Can I move my toes? No, I can't. I can't move my toes. I can't feel my legs. I know that I have, um, there's definitely a spinal cord injury. And there I am in the middle of this canyon at the bottom of a 300 foot waterfall. and I know just how dangerous it's going to be to try to pull me out of this place without, you know, making my spinal cord injury worse. Uh, and I'm like in that moment thinking, God damn it. I'm like at my peak, I am physically stronger than I've ever been in my life. I'm, you know, doing great in my career. I feel solid financially. I like all the physical things like the horizontal plane of reality was so figured out and now in one split second here I am you know and I knew that if I continued to spin in that direction uh, that I was not going to get anywhere right and and I still didn't know if I was going to live through this or not yeah And so I once again said, if this is my last moment that I'm going to live, I want it to be mine. Oh my God. You know, I just, it was uh, eight hours before the helicopter got there. Um, My friends up above climbed down to me thinking that I was dead and found me alive. And as trauma nurses who are used to working in a hospital scenario where you have all the gadgets and all the people right at your fingertips. This was, this was the most frightening thing that they had ever been through before to, to stand there and know that there's nothing they can do, you know, to just hold me and be with me. They felt totally incompetent. They felt like they were useless, but like I said, it was that act of them realizing all they could do with me with me that was healing to me that was what i needed as the patient i needed them to not worry about all those things and just be with me so i didn't have to be alone in it mm. you know um i think when they start thinking about like oh gosh well, does she have a pneumothorax does anybody have like a pin in there for, like what can we do to like what yeah. can we do that's when I would lose them. And I would say, just come back to me, just be with me, you know? Yeah. Um, and I just chose to focus on, you know, of course there's all this tragedy that's happening in this moment, but also it's a warm, sunny day. 
and I'm laying at the bottom of a 300 foot waterfall and there are rainbows reflecting off the water and I am surrounded by people who love me. And what more could you want? Like if, if you were, <laughs> what more could you want? Yeah. You know? And so I just tried to culminate like this reality that encompassed all of it instead of just focused on what was at the height, like physically and emotionally, what was on the surface, which was easiest to find was the pain. Right. Right. But underneath that layer, there was so much more to experience. And by not, by choosing not to have the fear and the pain be the only thing that was in that moment, I was able to still find a reason to want to hang on, you know, a reason to, to fight. And that was what those nurses gave to me. Mm. That was powerful. I can't, I can't imagine being, I can't imagine being in your shoes. I can't imagine being a nurse and coming upon you in that way. And and also being your friend and feeling so helpless. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, um, like you said, them being with you is just that, was that the thing that got you through? It was definitely the thing that got me through. <clears throat> I, if they would have not been there, and looked me in the eye. I mean, we had many moments where the two ICU nurses over top of me were eyeballing each other back and forth and kind of whispering. And then one would say, hey, you know what? She's an ICU nurse too. (laughs) Then she's thinking it. So let's just talk about it, you know? Um, And so they would be like, you know, okay, Nicole, you, you obviously have a spinal cord injury. You probably broke your pelvis you're probably bleeding out right now. There's not a lot we can do about it. Um, Can I do anything to make you more comfortable? And I would say, yeah, I really need to move. I need to move, I need to move. And somebody would say, okay, let me move you. And they would move my arm over just like two inches and say, is that better? And I say, yeah, okay, that's good enough. No, like those are the moments we had for eight hours. Oh my gosh. And them just connecting with me and knowing there was nothing they could do, but, but just be with me was, they were strong enough to do that. That's, that's unbelievable. And let um, let me just explain that too. So you knew you had a spinal cord injury, you landed, you, you couldn't feel your toes. So it was imperative that you not move. And so any yeah. desire that you had in your body that you were like, I need to move. I need to move. Like who know? I don't I mean, I can't even imagine what you're, what actually put, what position you actually like landed in, like ended up in, but like you ha- literally had to be there in that position because moving you could have made it far worse. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, without knowing the extent of the injuries, all of us knew like that was our main focus was to just keep me still and for eight hours and then I mean were you also in a ton of pain 
Yeah, it was, um, it was a lot of pain, but like I said, I think I, I mean, you have so many endorphins that run through you yeah. during like that, that was protective. And then also this practice of choosing, choosing not to focus solely on the pain, choosing to look at the whole picture. Um, so, very protective. So for you, um, did, and, and were you surprised, are you surprised looking back that that's how you, how this experience played out for you in, the, in that moment and in that space or did you, was it really your yoga practice that like gifted you with this ability to find the good and the and the and I guess the light in that experience yeah I think it I mean nobody really knows what they're going to do when they're faced with a challenge like that and you can try to play it out in your mind and think you know <clears throat> of how you would handle it but you don't really know until you're in it right um and i took the eye out of the scenario mm -hmm. by choosing to surrender to the experience um i don't feel like you know i have a lot of ownership of how i reacted um and that's why I talk about, you know, the greater intelligence that lives in you. If you can take yourself out of it by, and that, I mean, you know, your mind thoughts of future and past and how you can strategically align everything so that everything will be okay and you can control it. You can step outside of that and step into the surrender of being in this moment that you aren't prepared for. Then I think that's how that was the doorway. And so I think that's where I see myself um, now, you know, with COVID and everything else, it's, we're in a scenario that we weren't prepared for physically, emotionally. How can I let go of my mind, let go of my need to control and tap into something greater. Because through my past, through that experience of the fall, that's what saved me. I know that I am not smart enough to figure this thing out. Mm. But if I can tap into using every element of this human existence and not concentrate solely on my brain and trying to control everything, what can come through? Mm. You know, what creativity, that's where creativity is born, mm. you know? What, what happened after the after after the like how what happened after the um when you got rescued like um so after um the you know eight hours in then finally the helicopter comes and um they 
rappel out of the helicopter down to me with this basket. They start an IV. Um, the medic knew that these were all ICU nurses here, so he very much included everyone in that experience. Everyone had a voice, and I think that was really important um, for people to understand is that um, even though I was, you know, their friend, but I think of as a, as a patient at the bedside, as the nurse taking care of that patient, that becomes the thing that you are in charge of and that you care about, right? Mm -hmm. um, someone coming in and telling you what to do instead of including you in the conversation feels, yeah, well, I mean, we can do it, but is it the best way, you know, because we should use all the tools in the room. And anyway, um, they were included. They gave me a whopping dose of ketamine, <laughs> got, got me in the basket and lifted me up to the helicopter. Um, I was having a really hard time breathing at that point. I, my sat was in the eighties. Mm. Uh, so they dropped me off with airlift in a parking lot, basically, so that just in case I needed to be intubated en route. And then the airlift nurse happened to be the husband of a stat nurse that I work with. Um, he mm. said, I'm going to take you to my wife. Um, they have a trauma bay cleared for you. And from that point forward, I was with my family, you know, like I knew I was with my family the whole time. Every step of the way, there was always someone there that was, you know, more invested in me than just as just some, some other patient, you know, I felt like I was protected and he dropped me off with his wife and they already had, you know, my surgeons picked out and my anesthesiologist picked out for me and my room, my private room, all this stuff, you know, it was extreme VIP service, I would say. And probably your nurses that were going to take you, take care of you. And did you go to the TICU right away or right after? Yeah, I went to surgery first and then I went to the TICU post-op. So you were just like, I cannot believe that the way that you were shepherded from your accident to your, you know, airlift Northwest experience to your emergency room, you know, experience where you landed and then to your, your surgery. I mean, your surgery, I mean, these were all your friends. Yeah, they were all my friends. The funniest part of the story, I think is, um, you know, when you looked down at my legs, my feet were pointed in these really awful looking directions. And um, it just looked like I had, totally trashed my legs right um and so everyone was super careful about my legs and not touching my feet and just let's just keep her contained and I was like in the middle of a forest somehow they got me into this basket didn't touch my legs didn't touch my feet they got me into one helicopter into another helicopter never never grazed my foot right I get into the trauma bay and the first thing that happened was a resident whipped around the end of the bed and just barely touched the end of my toe and my boot fell off. Ah! And we realized it's not her legs. I hit the ground so hard that my boots kind of flew off the ends of my feet. 
So that was the funniest accident ever did happen because we were like, oh, thank goodness my legs aren't trash. It's just that my boots are barely hanging on. Just facing funny direction. That's so funny. That is so funny. That's just a testament to how shepherded I was, you know. Just barely hanging on there and then never have fallen off in that whole ride. Oh my God. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So now you find, so you find yourself now like in the hospital as a patient and with this, like, what did, what did you end up like, what were your injuries? And then what was the road to recovery? So I ended up with, um, pretty much a shattered pelvis. I had internal and external fixation. And then I ended up with an L2 fracture, um, and that fracture kind of pushed into my spinal cord a bit. So um, I still don't have any sensation in the tops of my legs. But other than that, I really don't have any ramifications for my spinal cord injury. Um, so physically, unbelievable that I was able to absorb that impact all in my core. And yeah. I didn't break a single toe, not my ankle, nothing. But somehow I landed on my feet. I was like water and just fell into it and let my body absorb it in the best place it could have. Um, That was really it as far as the physical, but I was, you know, non-weight bearing for two months in a wheelchair and um, I think the physical part of any injury is so much easier to overcome than the emotional. Mm. You know, I talk about how I was physically as strong as I'd ever been and, you know, really strong nurse and financially stable, all of those things. I had to just, um, basically everything that I was proud of that supported my ego in my life as far, you know, like my yoga practice, gone, nursing, gone my physical appearance (laughs) gone (laughs) like everything that that I found to be you know uplifting about I guess who, who I thought I was physically was gone and who was I who am I if I don't have any of these things and probably your independence too right oh yeah my independence was totally gone yeah I couldn't even go to the bathroom by myself, you know, couldn't take a shower. I couldn't turn over in the bed without help, right? And being strong to having it all taken away. Um, And on this end of it, I can see the gift, right? Because I was able to figure out who I am, what's who I am beyond this physical form. What's, what's really in there who am I underneath all of this physicality of this world right um but while you're losing it all there's uh I I mean there's a lot of anger there's a lot of sleepless nights there's a lot of fear and anxiety about what the future may hold um there's you know a longing for the past grieving Uh, grieving of what you've lost you're grieving your last, you know, what you knew. 
to be yourself and um, I just stayed with the water. I um, was lucky enough to have a place right on the water while I was recovering and I just open all the windows and look out at the water and just the sound of the waves coming in and out was soothing to me. It drew me in to my center, into my body again. And um, I just tried to be with it, you know, tried to be with whatever sensations came in and imagine them rolling back out, just like the waves, you know. Mm just not clinging to it, just being with it, just watching it. And after a while, I could realize that these sensations, these emotions would come and go. And anything that is real and true doesn't come and go. It always is, right? So what's underneath that? Watch the waves on the top. What's underneath that? Because that's the truth of who you are, right? Mm. And so I could detach from that emotion enough to stay centered and grounded while there was a storm rolling on the top. Mm. Mm-hmm. Would you be like, oh, that's interesting. I'm angry right now, or I'm mad, or I'm frustrated, or I feel like... That, you know, have these feelings of whatever it is, self-doubt or, or uncertainty or anxiety. And just, would you like go, oh, okay. And not just like not hold on to it and just let it go and just wa- watch it essentially? Well, at first I would hold on to it. I would grip onto it. I would be like, ah, you know, like, of course I'm angry and blah, 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 blah. I've got all these reasons to be angry. Why does this have to happen to me? And Jesus, I, you know, like I've screwed everything up. My daughter doesn't have a college fund anymore. And I'm just totally demolished here. What, I mean, all these people have to take care of me. And, blah, 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 blah. and then I just couldn't stand myself anymore. You know, I just couldn't stand that noise. And I'd go and sit by the water and, the, and I would just finally start to just connect back with this present moment, like not the future, not the past, just being right here. And in this moment, everything's okay. Actually, nothing is actually happening. (laughs) (laughs) All of that is like future thinking. It's not even real. And I'm doing that to myself, right? I'm the one that's a lot of that that's forming all of that pain, right? Yeah. So can I just be here? And then I could, you know, after I'd caught myself doing it, then I could, you know, catch it a little bit earlier and a little bit earlier and get to the point where, okay, now I feel anger. Isn't that interesting that I feel anger? But it took a lot of steps <laughs> before I got there, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> A lot, and a, probably a really long time. Um, how long did it take you to regain your, and by the way, what a powerful message for all of us right now, really. I mean, you talked a little bit about this a little bit, a little bit ago, but this idea 
to be in just this moment, this like right now, you and I talking, that's all we know is really real this moment. And, um, like to just be with this moment and not in all this crazy making of what the future holds regarding to COVID and the pandemic and, um, what does tomorrow hold? What am I doing? You know, whatever it is like this, all this fear and anxiety that we, that comes up with, especially for us in healthcare, like it's just an, a gift, an actual gift just to just be right here. Yeah. All of that is so enticing. It's so alluring. It, it pulls you towards it and your mind starts to think if I don't think, if I'm not concentrating on this, then crap is going to go on down the road that I haven't predicted to happen and I won't be prepared. And so I need to think about it. I need to think about it constantly, constantly on that hamster wheel of spinning, spinning, spinning. But you're thinking about things that aren't actually happening. Yeah, of course they could happen, but you're missing out on your life, first of all, because you're not in your life, you're in the future. And then also when you finally get into that moment where you are in the future, um, you can't think yourself out of these situations nearly as creatively as if you were centered and grounded, Mm. you know? Mm -hmm. So it's almost counterintuitive because your brain tells you you have to, or you won't be prepared. But actually, the only way you can be prepared is to just be here now. Hmm. now. Thank you. <laughs> I, feel, I feel very centered. Uh, um, but yeah, yes, I agree. And now a moment from our sponsor. Hey, this is Nicole. And I wanted to let you know I have a new event coming up on November 20th. It'll be in the morning. It'll be with Des Wood. And we're going to be doing some self-care. We're going to be doing some wicked self-care, actually. We'll do gratitude and we'll do mindfulness. And then we'll really get our burn on. We're going to sweat some of this stuff out. Go to foundonpodcast.com and click on Unwound Retreats. And I'll give you all the information about what you need to know. Also, all the proceeds from this event are going to go to my friend's nonprofit called Hope Center Resources. She uh, helps folks in Seattle who are homeless get toiletries. Um, it's a wonderful nonprofit. So um, hopefully we can give this, have this opportunity to give back to the community. All right. So how long did it take you to regain your just going back to your story, how long did it take you to regain your, like your functioning physical physicality, like your, like you're, you're working now and you're, how did, long did it take for you to get back to your quote unquote normal life? Well, um, I was very much attached to my last life. Right. So yeah. as soon as they gave me the all clear at that two month mark, I was back in action and I was back doing yoga and I was back, you know, trying to be a bedside nurse and, um, I did it. I physically pushed through, uh, to make that happen. And about, um, six months into that, I started having to 
horrible, horrible back pain um, to the point where I'd have to go find a place to lay down halfway through a shift. If I didn't do that, I wouldn't make it through the shift, you know? Um, and I found myself on, you know, bathroom floors <laughs> and things because I, I was like, it just actually, I had, I could not oh my God. on unless I did this. So, you know, and then one day at yoga, somebody said, Nicole, something's wrong with your back. You know, like you got these bumps. Oh my God. Back. And I looked in the mirror and I was like, I had these knobs that were starting to protrude and they started coming farther and farther. Oh no. <laughs> oh, oh, no. And I was like, ah, something's not right. You know, and they're like, well, you know, we'll get you in as soon as we can. But um, they got me in there and found out that all my hardware had broken and I had to start all over. And this was about, I don't know, eight months, nine months after my original injury. And that, I think that starting over hit me harder than the original insult because I knew exactly how hard it was going to be before I was naive. Right. And I, yeah. I, I can do it, whatever I can do it this time. I knew <laughs> this is going to be hard, you know? So I did have to start over. I had to get all that hardware removed and they put in a cage and extra stuff on top of it. And they said, you know, you're young and healthy and we just don't even know why it is that your bone didn't solidify. So this time around you get nothing for six months, nothing, no work, no yoga, nothing. Oh six my God. Of no paycheck six months of no yoga, which was the thing that kept me centered, right? Mm. Six months of, of no, no nursing. Um, they wouldn't even let me come in and give TB shots or, you know, like they, they wanted oh. me to just be still. And that was a death sentence to my ego <laughs> to have to be still and just let it happen. Right. Um, that was, the heat that burned up the rest of what I was still clinging to. Oh my God. That was the biggest gift that six months. Um, it was, it was hard. It, I can't even begin to imagine what that would be like for a day, for a couple of days, I mean, maybe like a week or whatever, but like you had to fully surrender for six months and I, and I just have this like visual of, like you said, that this heat burned up what was left of your old life, essentially, that what you were clinging to. I just feel like it just made way for something else, for something sure. different, for something new. Yeah. And it feels like something did happen to you. Is Was that in that time, in that, in those six months where you truly found what was next yeah in that six months I think um it was like a reinvention it was like um anything that I was afraid of before like you know anyone that knew me before my accident would never pick me out as someone who would do any kind of public speaking for sure <laughs> um sharing my vulnerable aspects of who I am. I was somebody who liked to be the strong person who liked to be 
um, seen as perfect, knowing that I wasn't. I was okay with that. (laughs) 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 But uh, now I see the power is not in perfection or pretending to be. The power is in sharing your your vulnerable side um, of being truly who you are in this moment. And uh, I see that that is where what we need more of in this world, what we need to see from others mm-hmm. so that we can actually move forward in truth, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can you speak to um, the work that you started to do, which which sheds a light on the truth um, of you know, what we do and see and experience in healthcare. Um, you know, you started doing this resiliency work. Um, can you talk about the evolution of that and why it was so important? Yeah. So through all of this, what I came away from it all with was this deep gratitude for the people who gave so selflessly to me even though they didn't realize how they had touched my life, I needed to have something positive to share. Um, And so I started trying to figure out what I could do for others um, that had impacted my life. And so um, I joined a yoga teacher training while I was still in my wheelchair early on in my recovery before the second round of surgeries as a way to just keep my mind on a positive spin, right? And this was a nine month long yoga teacher training. And um, it just so happened to be someone in the yoga studio who was in film. And she got to watch me go from being in my wheelchair to actually standing up and doing yoga again, you know? And we um, got to talking and she heard about my story and she said, I just would love to do a documentary on you, you know? And like I said, I was still very much in that ego mindset of like, I'm not gonna share my nasty secrets with everybody. What do you, you know? Um, But but I thought like, I can rise up, I can do it if it's for somebody else. So I said, as long as you make it, about search and rescue, you know, I would love to give back to this organization. I really want to highlight them. Um, And so we partnered together to start to make a film and we've, you know, we're making a film about my experience of the fall. It's about search and rescue. It's about, um, you know, this kind of spiritual spin that I have on my experience. to teach people another way of embracing challenge in life instead of, you know, pushing it away like like we try to do, um, trying to see the beauty in, in the dark spots of life. Um, so that that project is underway. And, um, and that's called Be Like Water, right? It's called Be Like Water. You can find us on um, BeLikeWaterFilm.com. Um, we were going to do a release this winter, but with COVID, um, we would love to have like a real film debut kind of experience and, and try to get all the most thing for our buck as far as like 
raising money for search and rescue. So I think we're going to hold off until next winter um, for our release and uh, see if we can actually have an in-person kind of scenario at that point. <laughs> yeah. we'll there, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, and then the other group of people that I really wanted to give back to is that the healthcare professionals that helped me mm. um, along my way. And um, I guess when I came back to the bedside after being away from it for so long, it was kind of um, way more in my face how much guilt and self-loathing and people like to say the word burnout, I guess I was seeing in healthcare and how I felt like if I shared my story, maybe even if I just touched one person and had them see challenge and adversity in a different way, maybe that would be beneficial, right? So mm. I started doing these resiliency lectures using my story of my fall as a metaphor to try to teach about this deep um, spiritual practice of, you know, realigning with the truth of who you are and being completely in the moment to find the power in life. And um, it spoke to people, you know, and so um, people just started asking me, you know, fire departments and different organizations would call and, and ask me to come and give lectures. And I just kind of rode that wave for a while, um, giving lectures, trying to help others see a different way of embracing challenge. Mm. And then um, fortunately, the University of Washington decided to start uh, a peer support program which is a way for people to connect and talk about the challenges they have at work with a colleague, somebody who's a trusted person who actually understands what you're going through um, so that you can just heal through conversation. Mm -hmm. um, and I decided to kind of dedicate myself to that for a while, um, just getting that up and running. I think that is so essential that we all need to be in this together and support one another. And who else would be better to support us than people who are actually in the trenches with us that understand yeah. what we're going through. That is really important work. Um, again, we're doing the same thing, you know, um, where I work, um, your sister hospital. Um, Nicole, I wanna ask you something. I'm scared to ask you because I feel like I'm going to start crying. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say? Oh, damn it. Hang on. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to that. I didn't know I would start crying like this. Okay. As you know, there are a lot of nurses out there that are really struggling. Um, what would you say to them to like try to find the good in what they're doing or just to realign with purpose or to know that, you know, like this is important work and it's, it's an imperative that we not give up. What would you say to folks out there who are having a hard time? Where I find my strength is in a deep knowing of what I think it is my purpose purpose and my goal 
as a human being on this planet. I can walk away from any situation, a needless death. I can walk away from an accidental medication error. Um, horrific scenes of violence on my patient's body. As long as I feel like I'm living in my truth, and to me, my truth as a nurse is to love fully and deeply. And I know it sounds kind of ridiculous and woo-woo, but that to me is my purpose. If I can show up and to love fully and deeply, I need to be present. I need to see not your physical form, but I need to see you underneath there. I need to connect with your soul. And I cannot do that if I'm flitting around in my head, right? So if I can be with you and see you human to human, no matter what happens five minutes from now, mm. I feel like I've accomplished my purpose mm -hmm. and I'm not in control of who comes and goes in this world. I'm not in control of what happened to you before you got here. I'm not in control of what happens to you after you leave my care. But while I'm with you, I can affect change by just being and seeing you mm. and, you know, holding you energetically mm. in my own bubble, you know? Yeah. And I think that is so extraordinarily important to me because I, I was a patient and I understand what that means to someone. And so it may be hard for a bedside nurse to like, you know, you want to push it away. Like, <laughs> whatever. you know, like there's so many other things to worry about, you know, but really I, I'm telling you that is, that is where the power is in nursing. So you can always feel like a rock star if you were able to center yourself mm -hmm. even five minutes and be with your patient, you know? Yeah. Uh, I, we, we have this saying, well, my friends and I, from back in the day, we, we say we like, you know, these feelings of vulnerability or these feelings of, um, pain or anguish or whatever, we would like to push it down. Um, but instead of maybe pushing it down, we can just be with it. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I didn't expect to be a blubbering mess there. <laughs> I, although my people that know me are, um, know that like, you know, I'm a crier. Um, do you have any sort of, um, closing thoughts for our interview today or for the, want to close on, on anything, Nicole? Um, the last thought, the human to my head you know, anything that you push away only becomes stronger. If you 
push away your emotions right now instead of being with them. They grow into these big, giant monsters that take over your being. They control you. And what you want to be able to do is step aside from them and control them a bit. And the only way to do that is by letting them be there and being with them and letting them move through you, watching them come and watching them go. That's the only thing that can start to dismantle them and make them manageable, you know? So to all of my nurse friends that are trying to figure out how to deal with all of what's moving through you, I know it sounds counterintuitive, but you have to just be with them and you have to let them be there. And instead of pushing them away, say to yourself, of course you feel like that. Look at what you're going through. You have every right to feel like that. It's okay. It's okay. And through that kindness to yourself, through that allowing, it just moves on. It just goes right through to the other side. And you can breathe again, you know? Oh, so powerful. Nicole, I just want to say thank you so much for being on the show today. Thanks for sharing your story. Thanks for talking and and giving us such wonderful wisdom. Um, by you obviously being vulnerable about your story and what's been going on with you and how you cope with uh, challenges and adversity, you know, you're offering a space for other people to see another way. And, um, you know, this is, I'm just so blessed that you took the time out of your day to spend with me and with our audience out there. I cannot wait to see your film. I would love to promote it and support, support you on that journey. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing it when it comes out and you are just a gift and a blessing. And, you know, I know we have a lot of mutual friends, so hopefully someday we'll, connect in person yeah we should you definitely should. you have a light in you that shines through and what you're doing is so important and i am just honored to be a part of it so thanks for inviting me oh, thank you thank you and uh truly an honor and we'll see you on the next one okay okay, okay. thanks so much for tuning in today if you enjoyed the show please subscribe and leave an honest review on whatever platform you are listening. Also, feel free to share this with your nursing colleagues. If you'd like to email me, you can do so at founddownpodcast at gmail.com. Feel free to send in any stories. Just make sure they're HIPAA compliant. Also, you can follow the podcast on Instagram at founddownpodcast. We'll see you on the next one.